Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, Raise the Bar, Hancock County has been awarded a second state grant to continue facilitating partnerships aimed at developing a stronger workforce locally. Executive Director Trisha Valesque explains how they're doing it. Also this morning, all signs point to an unusual year financially in 2022. Does that mean unusual strategies will be needed to reach your financial goals in the coming year? And even though they may have a natural fur coat, extreme winter weather conditions can still be dangerous for your pets. We have some advice. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, January 12th, 2022. Not as cold today as what it has been uh, so far this week. This is the warmest morning of it. It is still, what, it is 35 degrees as we are doing the show live. You're listening to the podcast. Uh, then, you know, you could be listening in the middle of the afternoon. It may be even warmer. But uh, to start the morning, 35 degrees. Uh, there is a wind chill, but even the wind chill is 25, which is warmer than what the actual air temperature was earlier in the week. It brings up the cold weather this week brings up the age old question. Is it necessary to warm up your car in the cold weather before you start off and head to work in the old days? That was true. You actually did need to warm up your car, but not so much anymore with our modern automobiles. AAA says you only need to let the engine run for about 30 seconds or as long as it takes you to get situated and buckle up before driving. That'll give enough time for the uh, lubricants in the engine, the oil and such, to circulate and uh, make everything safe in terms of your engine functioning properly. Uh, The uh, experts at AutoZone say some states and cities actually have laws restricting the practice of warming up your car, starting your car and letting it run so that it can warm up. And uh, some places that's actually illegal for environmental reasons. And also because all too often it can lead to stolen vehicles. Not so much anymore with the security systems and remote starts where your keys aren't actually in the car. But, uh, they're not kidding around in, in terms of the environmental police. You can be fined you know, $1,000 or more for letting your car just run so that it warms up. Electric cars should be kept plugged in on cold days when possible, as they have conditioning systems that can keep their batteries at the ideal operating temperature and can also be programmed to heat the cabin without emitting any tailpipe emissions. Experts say the only time you really should consider consider an extended warm-up for your vehicle is if you're having trouble scraping the snow and ice off the windows before they're defrosted. But even then, a good scraper and a can of ice remover can accelerate the process. So, not, not necessary to warm up your car in the cold weather. But let's be honest. We do it anyway, don't we? I think most of us do that anyway. Some of the other uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories among the first things you need to know this morning. There are some places that are now getting serious about cracking down on this uh, pandemic thing. Uh, In Quebec, Canada, uh, they are really cracking down on people who will not get vaccinated against COVID-19. 
the province announced yesterday that those who remain unvaccinated will be subject to fines. Uh, The premier of Quebec, Francois Legault, said these people put a very important burden on our health care network. And I think it's normal that the majority of the population is asking that there be a consequence, he said. Went on to say it is a question also of fairness for the 90% of the population who have made some sacrifices. According to public health officials, the vast majority of patients in Quebec hospitals are unvaccinated. Uh, Now, the amount of the fine has not been announced, but Premier Legault said it would be, quote, significant, unquote. Would not apply to those who have a legitimate medical exemption, but everybody else got to get the jab or else. Report here goes on to say this latest move comes after Quebec, which has a vaccine passport requirement for many indoor public locations. Last week said residents would have to be vaccinated in order to buy alcohol or legal cannabis in that province. Other countries getting tough with their requirements, too. Uh, Italy last week made vaccination mandatory for anyone age 50 or older. Greece is requiring it for those age 60 beginning next week. And Austria is making it mandatory for anyone over the age of 14 starting next month. So starting to really get serious about this in some places of the world. Um, The Pope weighing in on all of this. I don't know if you saw... This story, during his annual speech to Holy See ambassadors on Monday, Pope Francis denounced anti-vax misinformation and the cancel culture that he said prevents nations from being able to work together. Uh, The Pope urged people to get vaccinated, not just for themselves, but for the greater good of society. He referred to health care as a moral obligation. He added that the debate over vaccines is the result of people letting themselves be influenced by the ideology of the moment, often bolstered by baseless information or poorly documented facts. That is a quote from Pope Francis. He also decried the influence of rich nations that practice ideological colonization through their advocacy for contraception, same-sex marriage, and progressive ideas around gender Uh, He related this colonization to cancel culture, which he believes, under the guise of defending diversity, ends up canceling all sense of identity. Interesting words. Francis, earlier in the week. Uh, Let's see. Some of the other uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories. A couple of other items that I had here. The uh, TSA, the Transportation Safety Administration, the... uh, uh, blue, blue-shirted, uniformed people at uh, man security checkpoints at airports. The TSA is out with their list of the 10 most unusual items confiscated in 2021 and the airports at which they were conf- confiscated. Uh, the 10 most unusual items. And some of these, frankly, uh, I'm not, I, I wouldn't consider necessarily really unusual Some of them certainly are. Like, for example, uh, there was an antique pistol that someone tried to get through security at Newark International Airport. An antique. So apparently whoever was trying to get this on the plane 
was thinking about the antique part and not the pistol part. Uh, antique though it may be, still not, still not able to take pistol on the uh, on board a plane. Uh, some of the other uh, most interesting items, the most unusual items, confiscated by TSA agents at airports in 2021. A gun belt buckle. <laughs> a gun belt. A gun belt buckle. Hmm. Belt buckle that doubled as a gun? Uh, a firearm, I guess, maybe? That was at Honolulu International Airport. In Harrisburg, uh, <laughs> TSA agents confiscated a meat cleaver. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be uh, that would be a weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone at Reagan uh, Reagan uh, Airport in uh, in Washington uh, tried to uh, get a machete past security. <laughs> they caught that. Um, this was kind of interesting. Speaking of firearms, in Sacramento, at the airport there, someone tried to pass through a wine holder that was shaped like a gun. Hmm. Now that it was a gun, it was just shaped like a gun. It was actually a wine holder, uh, but that did not pass muster either. Um, some of the other uh, unusual items confiscated by the TSA last year. A meth burrito. <laughs> burrito stubbed, stuffed not with meat, but with meth at uh, Hobby International uh, in, uh, in Texas. That's in Houston, right? Houston Hobby in uh, Texas. Uh, bear spray at uh, Destin Fort Walton Beach. One tried to get bear spray on board. Um, and in Syracuse, New York, somebody was, uh, was trying to get fireworks onto a plane. Fireworks. <laughs> Apparently, they were going to have a little party on board the plane. New. No, can't do that. Uh, this is unusual. This may be the, the two top most unusual items. Uh, somebody put bullets in a uh, stick of deodorant. That's with Atlantic City International Airport in New Jersey. Uh, bullets in deodorant. And in New Orleans, New Orleans International Airport, uh, somebody actually tried to Take on board an airplane a chainsaw. A chainsaw. That's. <laughs> you would have thought that at one point, as they are in the queue waiting to get to security, somebody might have said, hey, you know you can't take that on the plane. <laughs> you know, I see you have a chainsaw there. You probably can't take that on the plane. <laughs> Just a heads up. <laughs> That's probably not going to work. Um. And finally, among the first things that you need to know this morning, here is something to chew on. You know that the past year has been a struggle for many companies, for many Americans, many companies. But for Rolls-Royce, 2021 turns out was a very good year. The British ultra-luxury car brand set a global sales record for the company last year. Rolls-Royce delivered just under 5,600 vehicles. That is a 49% increase over 2020. The CEO of the company tells the Financial Times the coronavirus pandemic created an incentive for some people to buy a Rolls. The logic is a lot of folks who saw people in their community dying from COVID got to thinking, 
Life is too short. You better live it while you can. (laughs) So don't put off those things that you've always wanted to do. Go ahead and buy yourself a Rolls Royce. (laughs) Where do I sign up? WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, partly to mostly cloudy skies today with a high of 40. Clouds stick around tonight, a low of 30. Yesterday was National Human Trafficking Awareness Day, and the folks at Garner Trucking in Findlay wore blue to bring awareness to this horrible crime. Our truck drivers across this country are the eyes and the ears on the road. They see things that are happening. They can report nefarious things that might be happening in in our country. Garner President and CEO Sherry Garner Brumbaugh says each of their drivers are trained on human trafficking awareness and the signs to watch out for. Get more of our conversation with Sherry on our website. Two people from Swanton, about 20 miles west of Toledo, have accepted a plea deal after being arrested for their participation in the storming of the U.S. Capitol. Madison Pettit and Gabrielle Burris pleaded guilty to one count each of parading, demonstrating, or picketing in a Capitol building. According to court records, the maximum penalty is six months in prison, five years probation, and a $5,000 fine. The couple was first charged last August in U.S. District Court in Cleveland. An online tip led to their arrest. The two will be sentenced in March. That's ONN's Tracy Townsend reporting. The American Red Cross says the country's blood supplies are at a dangerously low level. Lower donor turnout, severe weather, and cancel drives all contributing to this shortage. The nonprofit is also struggling with staffing shortages. They say centers across the country are reporting less than one day's supply of certain types of blood. You can help by scheduling an appointment to donate at redcrossblood.org. ONN's Angela Ann reporting, and according to the Red Cross website, one of the next local blood drives will be held on Friday at Arlington High School. Get more on our website. In December, volunteers placed wreaths at the graves of 1,200 veterans at Findlay's Maple Grove Cemetery for Wreaths Across America Day. And Pickup Day is coming up on Saturday. Anybody who wants to help out should meet at the cemetery at 9 a.m. Learn more about Wreaths Across America and see pictures and videos from local events on our website. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. So our cover story this morning, it was announced a few days ago that Raise the Bar Hancock County has been awarded a second state grant to continue their work of facilitating partnerships aimed at developing a stronger workforce. Executive Director Trisha Valesk is with us this morning. Uh, that's a lot there to, to process. The uh, con- that's an awful, facilitating right? partnerships aimed at developing a stronger workforce. So let's start there um, because I, I remember you know we had you here I think what a, a year or so ago when the first uh, grant was announced, talking about you know how that money would be used. And so explain what it is that Raise the Bar Hancock County does. We are a workforce development nonprofit. We are trying to change how people learn about and prepare for what careers and industries we have here in Hancock County. So a lot of what we do focuses on manufacturing. We have so many jobs in the industry. But we also try to move into healthcare, finance, even public service jobs. We just want people to know what exists, how to get there, the types of career, career credentials, you have to go get a degree, what it takes to get into that field. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you do that in a number of ways, uh, everything from 
connecting educators to employers so that they are uh, have that firsthand knowledge of what skills employers are looking for to uh, developing internships and you know that kind of thing. That's right. So we work along the cradle to career continuum. Okay. When I say that too, yes, the K-12 school system, higher ed, mm-hmm. we, our teachers are so important to us and we love everything that they do, but we have to also make sure that they understand too what exists, um, what it takes to have a job. What do jobs look like today? They might be a lot different than when mm-hmm. they were last out in the world looking for a job. Right. How do we connect them? So this new grant's going to allow us to do externships with teachers, meaning they get paid to go and work in the summer for like two days in the manufacturing facilities and learn what the look and feel for it again. knowledge. Exactly. Yeah. And then we do work with the employers and understanding how do you want to upskill your employees? You have some people retiring. You have some gaps to fill. What's it going to take for you to move these individuals from their current role over to this role? And if that training exists locally, how do we get them connected? And if it doesn't exist locally, how do we build it? So, and that's an interesting component, uh, looking at developing workforce training and and workforce development for the needs uh, of the future. You speaking specifically uh, to the jobs that exist in the community today, or are you looking forward to jobs that may exist in the community tomorrow? It's both. Okay. It's really hard to do right now, though, because everyone knows that we have these jobs today that we have to fill. Mm -hmm. So the progressive forward thinking is a little bit harder to do, especially around this COVID time. But we have to understand that automation is coming. High technology is coming. It's changing how businesses operate, the number of amount of manpower that they need to have every day, and also the skills that are important. We need to look forward. Some of the other grants that we are operating under, uh, aside from the state grant, is allowing us to think industry 4.0, what's coming and what skills are necessary, especially in manufacturing. You bring up a good point uh, with respect to the automation, because I think most people think of this from the viewpoint of the employer that is trying to uh, fill positions. But because uh, in, uh, automation is making more and more jobs obsolete you look at this from the employee side they may be automated out of a job and this would provide opportunities to uh, upskill themselves into jobs that are available so automation is going to eliminate needing to have four people for one job mm-hmm. but it doesn't it also allows for people to become more highly trained which means higher paying wages mm-hmm. there's a great trade-off that comes along with that and, you know, automation isn't always a bad thing. It removes that manual back-breaking sure. work that some, it's just right. tiring for a lot of individuals. But there will always be that human element. And that's what I love. Automation doesn't mean that things are just running themselves. We aren't in this sci-fi futuristic world. Mm-hmm. But there are people who need to program those robots and um But they have to have those skills. And they have to have the skills in order yeah. to know how to do that. Yeah. Otherwise, quality goes down, precision goes down. Um, so I'm really excited to see what automation comes into this community and how we get the people trained for it. So as we mentioned, the initial state grant uh, allowed you to implement a number of these programs. This second state grant, which, by the way, uh, raised the bar Hancock County, uh, one of only a handful uh, that got this second state grant to continue or expand or both. It's a little bit of both. We are one of only 13 
recipients this time, the only one in Northwest Ohio. A lot of them have been in major metropolitan areas, so we're very excited to be a recipient here. We are kind of building upon what we had already started, but because there's an overlap in the two grants, they absolutely go towards different outcomes and impact. This next one is really focusing on more strategic partnerships between businesses and education, as well as making sure that there's clarity for the general public on what job positions actually require you to do. Um, When you look at a job description, it can often feel like a lot of words that you don't understand what it means. How do we translate very technical information into something a little bit more easy to understand for everyday people like you and I? Yeah. Um, This is a a rather innovative approach to matching up job skills that are needed for employers and workers to who either have those skills or can can get those skills uh is this something that is that that you are 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 building on that's been done uh in in other places or are you sort of developing this as you go a <laughs> little bit yeah definitely a little bit of both the blessing of this state is we're kind of, we have the Ohio Manufacturers Association. So there's many partnerships around Ohio like Raise the Bar. Mm -hmm. They have tried things in their region. We are using their lessons and their best practices in order to see what works here, like the externships with teachers. We Mm -hmm. know that works. Other ideas is basically understanding where we are locally. And we have nine school districts. We have a couple higher education providers. And we have some who are just kind of wanting to train people and they're willing to come and go. We got to get everybody on the same page. There's a lot to understand. And so we just kind of put everyone together at tables and say, where's the problem? What's the root cause of this problem? Mm -hmm. And then starting to get down into solutions for those issues. And the reaction or the uh, buy-in from industry uh, and and from the business side, uh, it sounds like that's a a pretty easy sell, I would imagine. What about from the uh, from the other side? I mean, how do you find those uh, individuals who are in need of this type of training and you know and that kind of thing? You know, talk about uh, you know bringing the workforce, uh, developing the workforce as as it were. The numbers, you know, we need to bring constantly be bringing individuals into our community in order to fill the number of jobs that we have open and to help the employers grow like they want to grow. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of just word of mouth. It's a lot of creating programs and letting individuals see the successes of other people to realize that they have that same potential in them. And how do you do it affordably and at a time that's accessible to you and reasonable for you and your work-life balance or family? It's just trying to understand, and that's where all of our social service agencies in town become so important to the work that we do. I can't solve these issues alone. They mm-hmm. can't solve the issues alone. But when we work together, we can maybe solve transportation challenges, housing challenges, if there's uh, health challenges. That's that's what I was getting at. I mean, you obviously you're working very closely with employers, but also things like social service agencies, the schools, and and so on on that side of yep. things. So truly, a community, uh, full community involvement, full uh, community buy-in uh, on this to, to make it happen. Yeah, and we're a great model for the rest of the state when it comes to that partnership. I think everyone is blown away when we're we can just sit here and rattle off dozens of partners who are willing to be at the table whenever you pick up the phone and call them. 
And they're just like, we cannot do that. I'm like, well, learn the Finley way. <laughs> and uh, and again, with the second state grant, that work will continue. Absolutely. Uh, raise the bar. Hancock County Executive Director Trisha Velasco with us this morning, talking about how they're doing it, uh, facilitating, facilitating those partnerships to develop a stronger workforce locally. We've got a link up on our webpage for more information about it. Goodmornings.net. Trisha, thanks very much for dropping by. We Thank appreciate you. It. Well, if your New Year's resolutions include turning over a new leaf financially in 2022, we have what will hopefully be some helpful tips and advice this morning from Khaled Parekh, founder of Fair Banking and the AMSIS Group, who has been with us on the program before. And Khaled, you point out, and I think this is an important point to make, that getting your financial house in order is not just a good thing to do from a personal standpoint, but a professional one as well. What role did good personal finance practices play in you becoming a business success? Yeah, Chris, thanks for having me on the show. So, you know, speaking from firsthand experience, as an Indian immigrant that came to the U.S. 20 years ago with $100 in my pocket to growing to a $350 million technology services firm, I know a little bit about finance, right, and growth. Um, I believe that when you measure success, we should measure success in incremental value, like 1%, 3%, 5% over the course of the years versus going from 0 to 20 to 50 to 100. You know how they say commitment will get you there, but consistency will make you stay there. Mm-hmm. So what I have first done is I have two or three quick things that I follow that, um, uh, that, that is instrumental into my personal success. So the first thing that I did is I created a $1,000 emergency fund. And we should all create this fund, uh, keep that cash in our house or in a savings account, in a high-yield savings account in a bank, because you never know when life hits you. You might have a flat tire. You might have to replace your tire. Your water heater might go out. Uh, some, some, some mishap might happen. So uh, people will live paycheck to paycheck. Then they have to put this on their credit card. Then they go in debt. And it just becomes a, you know, a roller coaster after that, right? Yeah, yeah. So what I yeah, you know, Chris, so that's the thing, right? If you are prepared for life's emergency and have a thousand dollars in emergency fund, you just never know when you can when you're gonna use it. Yeah. So that's they, the first thing I do. They call it the unknown, but you do know that it's going to happen something is going to happen <laughs> at some time. Very true, buddy. Very, very true. Uh the second thing that I have uh, followed in my life is I have saved up to six months of my household expenses uh, in a savings account. Because what happens if I lose my job? Or what happens if I lose some, fi- you know, something financially bad happens to us, mm-hmm. you know? So have a six month reserve, you know, you don't have to stress, you don't, you know, your, your, your health is fine, and you're gonna take time to get back on your feet. Some people get job instantly, some, it takes some people a lot of time to get a job back, right? So when you have a six months reserve, it's, it's so much better for you peacefully. Now, a lot of our listeners might say, man, I live paycheck to paycheck. How do you expect me to make a six months reserve? But what you do is, I think 2022's new word should be side hustle. 
people should, in, in order for them to, to, to be comfortable, they need to take a side hustle right now, make three to $500 extra a week. And then, you know, you can use that money as savings. So, you know, you can drive Uber and Lyft in the night. You can do Amazon fulfillment online. You could do Instagram, social media. There's so many different things um, that uh, people can do to take up a side hustle. The third thing that I have followed in my life, Chris, is uh, I constantly optimize my spending. So, you know, with Fair Bank, our bank and other different uh, financial institutions, there are a lot of softwares out there that can analyze how much you're spending, you know, every month. Do you really need a Netflix account and a Disney account and a Hulu account, right? Do you still need cable TV if you don't even watch cable? So if you analyze your budget, you know, and if you write it down, there are so many templates you can download online from, you know, from the Internet that it's, it's easy. If it's written, if it's in front of you, you can forecast it. So these are the two, three things that I follow, which are very, very simple to do. But if you if you become consistent with this man, you will be very successful. Yeah, and a ch- uh, chip away at that a little bit at a time, and before you know it, uh, you'll be uh, on the right path and and building new habits. Now I can hear a lot of folks uh, say that, especially over the past year or two, uh, it's been it's been really difficult uh, for a lot of, of folks, and we uh, hear about uh, how. You know, depression, anxiety, and and so on have been building over the course of the pandemic, and that certainly can impact, I would imagine, uh, folks' um, uh, outlook toward their future personally and financially. So how do we keep that mood up through these tough times we're trying to make these big financial strategic changes? The way that I personally keep my mood up is by being a good planner, right? You know, if you plan, you know, for failure, you know, you are ready for failure, right? You know, in life. So, you know, again, you know, like I said, if I follow my first set of rules, you know, I'm planning better. The other thing I do, and I should, you know, my fellow listeners, you know, I love your show, by the way. The the idea is we have to start living in a COVID-adjusted lifestyle. COVID is never going to go away, you know, where we are sitting right now, because you have the Delta variant, then you have the Omicron, then six months later, there's going to be another variant, then right. another booster. So, you know, we have to be, you know, be ready for living in a COVID adjusted environment. Be ready. You know, like one of the things, you know, we have over 350 employees working for us. Uh, one of the things we've learned is how do you plan better? So if there's a government lockdown again, can entire corporation work from home and still be 100% productive, which we have done that right now. We would love to come to work so we can collaborate better. But if you don't have a choice, you don't have a choice, right? Yeah. So yeah. That's, that's trick, right? How do you, in order for you to keep your mood up, you learn to live in a COVID-adjusted return, you know, life. Where do you see things headed in 2022 with respect to that? And again, uh, as this relates to folks' personal finances, uh, are we past the worst of it? Are we uh, you know, going to see a, a better year ahead? No, no, sir. Let me be very honest with you. So because of COVID, right, you know, because of extended COVID, you know, supply chain got hit pretty bad. Logistics got hit pretty bad. Because of that, we have the fastest rate of inflation increase. Inflation is increased at four to five percent. So your hundred dollars in your bank account last year is now is equal to ninety six dollars, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, right. 
And so I follow finance news as a banker. So government is uh, looking to raise the uh, interest rate, right? That means that uh, the debt is going to be more expensive, right? That means the home prices are going to come down. The mortgage rates are going to go up high. So I don't think that the, the I don't want to be, uh, you know, I, I want to be a realistic person. And I want to be saying that I'm not saying nobody can predict the future. All I can say is be prepared, be as prepared as you can be to weather the storm that might be coming, right? Just be prepared and, on that. So and, what we did, what, what we did, uh, Chris, is we, Fair Bank, due to inflation, due to the rising cost of inflation, we created America's premier savings account that offer people 4% annually, up to 4% annually, you know, savings rate. No bank gives you that. The, the maximum somebody gives is 0.25%, 0.50% uh, percent, right? But that's about it. They don't give you, uh, you know, there's such a big disparity between what the banks make and what the consumers make on their own deposits. So we created this 4% uh, savings account at bankwithfair.com where you can earn 4%, uh, which you can beat the inflation. It's all about how do I beat the inflation. So again, the bottom line is not impossible to uh, make these goals and make progress toward these goals in 2022, but a very different environment uh, going in that requires some serious strategies. Uh, Khalid Parekh, uh, again, founder of Fair Banking in the AMSIS group with us this morning talking about uh, financial goals and uh, strategies to meet those in 2022 and beyond. Mention the website where folks can learn more about those uh, tools that you have to help folks do that. Bankwithfair.com. Once again, bankwithfair.com. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Two Florida women are each facing felony charges after allegedly attacking a male victim with glitter. (laughs) That's right, they glittered him. Happened on Monday, police say Sarah Franks, age 29, and Caitlin O'Donovan, age 27, uh, arrived at the Clearwater residence of one Jacob Cologne, where they struck him in the upper torso and head with containers of glitter. <laughs> Miss Franks then climbed over the ground level fence and entered Mr. Cologne's apartment where she engaged the victim again by throwing more containers of glitter in the home. Oh my goodness. This is just there's glitter everywhere. Uh, Ms. O'Donovan followed and threw more glitter. Uh, Ms. Franks then kicked a window in the apartment until it broke. And both of them then left and drove away. (laughs) Police arrested the two women after uh, tracking the getaway car back to the pair's home. Both were arrested and now face a felony charge of burglary and assault and battery. Uh, Ms. Franks was also charged with criminal mischief for allegedly uh, breaking out Mr. Mr. Cologne's window. But uh, probably would have been a misdemeanor charge had it not been glitter. Had it been anything but glitter. I mean, that, just, that stuff's just nasty. That gets, that gets all over and you just can't get it out. That's Once you've been glittered, it's all over. <laughs> with, with glitter! The weapon of choice there. 
Speaking of throwing unusual things, a a woman in Metropolis, Kentucky, was arrested uh, last week after allegedly throwing a crockpot during a domestic disturbance. (laughs) Talk about unusual weapons. Uh, Police tell local news reporters when they arrived at the scene, they saw 20-year-old Haley Dummett getting into a parked car. Officers said they learned that the couple had been arguing and Ms. Dummett allegedly threw a crockpot full of food onto the floor and then attacked the victim who had scratch marks on his arm, uh, arms and face. Ms. Dummett was arrested for domestic battery and uh, is now lodged in the local detention center. <laughs> Throwing a crockpot. Um, this is... This is maybe one of the more unusual kidnapping stories uh, that you will hear. Uh, This uh, also in Florida, Miami, Florida. Um, A husband and wife are accused of kidnapping a man and torturing him for three days. Uh, This ordeal took place uh, last month. Police arrested Akius Dorsainville and his wife Marie... At a local apartment village, the pair had allegedly enticed the victim into their home where they then held him captive for 72 hours until he agreed to give them his car. (laughs) That's what they were after. They were after his car. What is uh, what is crazy is that uh, eventually uh, they rendered the victim unconscious then took his car, and after he regained consciousness, they just left him there in the apartment. Uh, once he regained consciousness, he found he was alone and called for help. That was <laughs> so. It was the follow through that did him that did him in. It was it was just okay. We got the car. You can go now. That's uh... <laughs> this is crazy. Very strange. They just wanted his car. So, I don't know what kind of car it was. It must have been a very nice car, I would think. I just, I, so. um, how about this in uh, Colorado? This is something that you don't expect. I mean, occasionally uh, people get wild animals in their home. It'll be a raccoon or you know something like that. Squirrels would get in the house. Um, maybe even there have been stories of deer that uh, break a window, uh, businesses, and so on. But this one is a little unusual. A moose is safe after being rescued from the basement of a home in Breckenridge, Colorado. The uh, State Parks and Wildlife Service says it happened on Monday. The animal apparently was grazing nearby and fell through a snow-covered window uh, window well and fell into the basement of the home. <laughs> Uh, honey, I think we have a moose in the basement. <laughs> that's that's a phrase you don't ever expect to say. Honey, I think we have a moose in the basement. Wildlife officers were able to tranquilize the moose, but they had to cut off its antlers in order to prevent further damage as they guided it up the basement staircase and out the front door. They say it's not a big deal. Antlers, uh, moose antlers typically fall off this time of year anyway, and they will grow back in the spring. The moose will be fine. (laughs) That couple has a story to tell now. The time we had a moose in the basement. 
And finally, speaking of animal stories, this from the international file at a zoo in Wales. Officials were alerted. Uh, staff at the uh, zoo was alerted by a visitor over the weekend that there is was a mysterious creature swimming in the mongoose enclosure. A mysterious creature spotted swimming in the mongoose enclosure at the zoo. Uh, keepers retrieved the creature from the pool and found that it was a toy crocodile. <laughs> it was just a toy crocodile. You've got a mysterious creature in the mongoose pool. Turned out it was a toy crocodile. Zookeeper said it did give them a good laugh. So, a moment of levity. There you go. Uh, that is today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Omicron, what's the real story? We keep getting mixed signals. We're told it's not nearly as dangerous as the other variants. Then we're told hospitals are filled. We're told we have to get vaccinations, but even if we do, we're told we have to wear masks. So what's the real deal with Omicron? Is it dangerous? Are the vaccines effective against it? And how contagious is it? You want answers? We'll continue to provide you the information you need. 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and 95.5 FM. And now here is your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Today's survey, I thought, is really interesting. It seems that Americans are reading fewer books these days than they used to. This is according to a new Gallup poll that compared results to previous surveys on the subject. Those who said that they read more than 10 books over the previous 12 months fell from 34% five years ago to 27% last year. And the average American now reads 12.6 books uh, last year, read 12.6 books last year. That was down from 15.6 in 2016. The survey found the biggest decline in book reading was among college graduates who averaged just 14.6 books last year compared to more than 21 books five years ago. Just 6% of Americans now say that reading is their favorite way to spend an evening. That is the first time it has been below 10% since Gallup started asking the question all the way back in 1960. They're just not reading as much. Now, this is and seventeen percent, seventeen percent of Americans said they did not even read one single book last year. Now here is where the twist comes in, and this is interesting. <laughs> even as the poll results show that Americans are reading less, book sales actually jumped during the pandemic. <laughs> uh, which is what is that telling us? It's Americans are buying more books. We're just not reading them. They're just sitting unread on our bookshelf at home. Maybe we want to impress people or, or with all of our free time during the pandemic, we thought we were going to read more. Uh, when in reality, all of those volumes are just sitting there gathering dust at home, as it turns out. Natalie Revit is here from the uh, Humane Society at SPCA of Finley, 
and Hancock County. And uh, who did you bring with you uh, here today? Good morning. I have Zeke with me. Zeke. Actually, he was kind of with you. Well, now I, he's he back was, with me. <laughs> I was just, I was just jo- uh, laughing, be- chuckling because I don't think he's even noticed me yet. <laughs> uh, he's so busy e- exploring everything he's else. Checking out all your things. Yes, checking out everything in the uh, studio. I don't think he's even noticed that there's another human in the room. Well, yeah, um, he's definitely curious, and he is about six years old. Okay. So he's looking for a family. He came to us because his owner became ill, mm. and. Unfortunately, just wasn't able to take care of him. Yeah. And then Zeke was adopted out from us for a short period of only like two days. Um, but he does, We in those two days, we learned that he does, he will run. He, he will run. <laughs> yep. So okay. the, uh, the person didn't latch their, they thought they latched their door. They went out okay. to get the mail and boom, goodbye. He's gone. Yep. Yeah. And that happened. And I- yeah, I would imagine, especially when you uh, adopt a new animal, you yes. got to really be careful of that because, you know, animals are generally curious yes. about their new surroundings. That's so. very true. And the person was still a stranger to Zeke. So when mm. he was called, he's like, I don't actually know don't you. Know I'm going to yeah. go yeah. ahead and keep going. That is, uh, that is a really good point. Uh, when you uh, adopt a, an animal, to you've got to really be careful Especially in those first couple of months. You to, do. You definitely do. You have to take to. some, yeah, some new precautions that you you might mm. not had yeah. it been your dog for six years or <laughs> three but, years. Or- but he is uh, absolutely adorable. I mean, he he's is. he's a great dog. Appears to be a great dog, and he and, is. Uh, he's a very nice dog, and he's a good size. He's well, he's got a thinner build. Uh, he's just a mixed breed. He's not underweight, so mm-hmm. he's just got a thin body style. Okay. He is about thirty pounds, and he's a, he's kind of tall. <laughs> he can reach a table. <laughs> yeah, yes, he can. <laughs> or snack. Yes, he can. <laughs> he, he would definitely. If you, yeah, if you left a snack, a food very, unattended, he would probably yeah, eat that. But very friendly. He's I, he's, extremely friendly. He's yeah, he's latched onto me now uh, <laughs> over here, and and uh, Zeke is available uh, for adoption now. He is available. For you adoption. know, we were talking back before the holidays that uh, maybe the holiday season not the greatest time uh, to adopt a dog, uh, right. adopt yeah. any uh, pet. But now is a, a great yeah. time. Now so. it's a fair game. Yeah, Chris, every Absolutely. everything's open. So yeah. yeah, if you're interested in adopting, just visit our website. We still are operating by appointment only for adoption okay. appointments. Okay. That really, through the pandemic, it, it's actually shown us that it kind of matches people better with the pets mm-hmm. because the staff has one-on-one time with the the possible adopter, mm-hmm. and we can tell them, you know, what are you looking for? Well, right. we have this pet, we have this pet. Mm-hmm. So it's actually it actually works pretty well. Yeah, and you do get an opportunity to you know familiarize yourself with the personalities of uh, these animals and yes, you know, that is, that's correct. what their that's preferences true. are yes. and you know and all of that who they get along with and what they get along yeah, with that's that's absolutely <laughs> true so yeah. uh so yeah uh reach out and uh, by the way uh also if you have pets in the home already this is the time to renew uh, dog licenses it is yeah. yes so you have until january 31st to renew your dog license or purchase a new dog license if you've gotten a new dog and dogs three months and older have to be licensed. Mm-hmm. So if you do not have a dog license by January 31st, you would still have to get one, but it would just be at, with a penalty. Yeah, so. so instead of $20.75, it would be $40.75. Yeah. 
So, so you don't want that. No. Uh, get those uh, dog licenses uh, before the uh, end of the month, and, and you can get those you at a number get of places. Those, yes, you can. You can get them at the auditor site. They have remote lo- locations like Pet Supplies Plus, mm-hmm. PetSmart, different um, vets, and you can also get them not in the front of the Humane Society, but through our Animal Control Department, okay. which is located on the third door on the side of our building okay uh also want to mention uh because we've had some extremely cold weather over the past several days now today is going to (laughs) be rather mild we get a break from that but uh after today we talking about in the weather forecast they're talking about a steady slide back to the more seasonable temperatures and we have a lot of winter yet to come this can be very dangerous for pets it can absolutely be very dangerous for pets so we, we definitely recommend, even if your dog has like a longer coat, like I'm sure they like to stay outside, right. but their pads, like their pads, they just can't handle that. Mm-hmm. So we really recommend during the frigid temps, just go outside with them, let them use the restroom and then bring them back and bring them back inside. So that way there's no chance they're not going to get frostbite on their hands. Their ears aren't going to get frostbite. Mm-hmm. Or anything like that. Yeah, I, we've all seen the uh, videos online of the uh, dogs romping in the snow, and okay. I know uh, our dogs love to yeah, romp in yes, the snow, particularly yeah. our golden. <laughs> uh, but you you really have to uh, be careful as to how much time you're allowing them to be out there. That is true because the dogs that do love the snow, mm-hmm. they're not going to want to come back in. You have to you you yeah. do have to monitor. It's like kids like right. Oh, they're fr- frostbit nose. It's like yeah. come on, you have to come back in. And it's it's really the flip side of what happens in the summertime where dogs that are especially high energy dogs don't realize just how much how exerted they are yes, yes. and they can get in trouble in the summertime yeah. this is the same uh, same thing in in the winter on That's the other exactly, extreme yes, yeah exactly true i also uh know that uh now, again, we haven't had a whole lot of snow yet, but when we get the snow and ice and people start treating their walks and their driveways and yes, so on. Different salt, it can get in their hands. That can pick up in their paws. Yep. And so it is recommended. I know all dogs don't like to have their hands wiped or their paws wiped, mm-hmm. their feet wiped, but it is recommended, especially if you're walking around the neighborhood, because like you said, Chris, you don't know what people put down like to de-ice mm-hmm. their uh, driveway or sidewalks. And they lick their hands. Pets lick yeah. their hands. So it would be ideal if they could be wiped off. Yeah. Again, that can be very dangerous. Yes. Um, not only can that stuff kind of get in there, so those chemicals can irritate their uh, their paws. They can lick it off, and then yes. you've got a poisoning issue yes. potentially. So yep. uh, things to uh, to keep in mind and. Obviously, when the weather gets extreme, you want to bring the animals, outdoor animals, inside. If you can, that would be ideal. Like a garage area or like a laundry room or like a spare room, that would be ideal. If you cannot, um, just please make sure that they have proper, like a housing, like a barn or Mm -hmm. little shed. Do not leave blankets down, though, because if they spill their water, the blankets hold that that Mm. water, so it's just frozen so they're just yeah. laying on well that was the other thing that i was going to mention you have to really be careful with outdoor animals uh whatever outdoor animals that you have even farm animals yeah. make sure that they've got uh water that isn't frozen yes. and plenty yep. of food yep. and you have you know, to keep checking on the water make sure that's not frozen so. and and if someone were to notice an animal that is being left out uh in the cold this is a case where you want to know about it yes absolutely so and if you're unsure, I know sometimes people, we get calls and people are like, I don't know. It's 
if you don't know, it's right to call mm -hmm. because it's just going to let your put your mind at ease and let us know. That way, we can go out and investigate if if this if this animal's being taken care of or not. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the owners, sometimes the animals do need removed. Sometimes the owners, for whatever reason, just didn't realize that right. this was going on. Yeah. So, yes, so, please give us a call at 419-423-1664. But we would transfer you back to our animal control department mm -hmm. because our humane officers would be the ones to actually go out and take yeah. a look. Yeah. So, I, again, just a reminder to make sure that pets are being cared, of, cared for, especially during the uh, winter uh, weather. Like I said, today... Maybe not so much <laughs> yeah. a, a a big deal. This is a good time to get the dogs out and yes, get them some yep. exercise if they <laughs> yes, haven't been able to, to be outside in the extreme cold. But you d definitely want to uh, make sure that you're taking extra precautions with the uh, winter weather conditions. And again, if you are interested in learning more about Zeke or any of the other animals that you've got at the uh, shelter, yes, go about doing that. You're going to visit our website at www.hancockhumanesociety.com or give us a call at 419-423-1664. And you can also send us a message on Facebook. All right. And I have discovered that Zeke really likes to be petted. <laughs> he he really likes He's been sitting here right next to me as I've been petting him through this whole segment. Uh, again, Natalie Reffitt with the uh, Humane Society and SBCA of Hancock County with us this morning. Thank Natalie, you. thanks very much for dropping Thank by. You. And that will put a wrap on our podcast for today. Thanks again to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. That is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the show, Senator Sherrod Brown will join us to discuss the challenges in what could be a difficult year ahead for Democrats in Congress. Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.